0: Good morning, good morning everybody, good morning. again. Thank you guys, thank you guys for being here. We're family, brothers and sisters. It's, it's uh, part of the message today that we have so much to look forward to. And we're going to talk about the truth, and we're talking about revelation today, and uh, how um, it is a revelation from God to us, from Jesus to his church. It is a re- revelation of Jesus It is a revelation about Jesus. So if you want to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1, Pastor Landon, uh, next week, will be starting Revelation 2, and he's going to be going through the seven churches and powerful messages to each church specifically. And so we'll talk a little bit about that today to set it up. But um, today, um, we're talking about warnings of things to come and this book i really like uh, revelation at first years ago i was intimidated by it because of some of its symbolism but you can take it pretty much at face value it's easier to understand that you might than you might think and when it gets into some symbolism and things like that you can understand that i'll give you a great example in chapter one when we get there but sometimes it explains exel- itself the the text itself explains what the symbolism means so you're not left guessing so it's, it's really really exciting so i'm thankful to be able to go through this and open up this book today so father uh, lead us in your truth guide us father and uh, holy spirit speak to our hearts what you would have us hear and we all have ears but let them be ears to hear and to listen to what you would have us learn and understand to be challenged lord to be warned of things to come, and to be encouraged in Jesus' name. I lift this time up to you and pray that you would be glorified and Jesus would be exalted. Amen. So a prayer meeting this morning. um, I haven't been there in a couple months, and great turnout this morning for prayer meeting upstairs in the upper room, the library, um, 845 to 915 every Sunday morning. And as people were praying and as we were thinking about... What we're going to do here this morning from Revelation, I got two more scriptures. So the teaching today will be a little bit longer because of that. But I want to go back to, you don't have to turn there, you can mark it down if you'd like, but just two verses from Isaiah chapter 46. It simply says this, it's just so good. 46.9, remember the former things long past for I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. So, whose purpose will be established in the earth? Who knows the end from the beginning? Okay, Um, now I just want to flip over to Daniel chapter 2 and uh, let's see, verse 19 through 22 says this, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise man and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. And the light dwells with him. Daniel chapter 2. Just he changes times and seasons. He reveals. So the great revealer. Um, So now, Revelation 1, the book of Revelation, simple introduction here. I thought those verses would be a great setup. Um, It's the only book that promises a blessing to the person who reads and hears and obeys. Uh, Revelation 1, verse 3, and we'll read through a little bit more of this in a minute, but just for this point on you are blessed, don't be intimidated by it. This is God's word. This is Jesus speaking to the church about himself, about what's going to happen. In verse 3, it says, Blessed is he who reads this prophecy, and blessed is he who hears the words of the prophecy prophecy, and heeds the things which are written in it. Well, if you turn over to, don't do it now, but I'm just going to flip over real quick. To uh, Revelation 22 at the end. 22 verse 7 says, And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. So you're blessed if you read, you're blessed if you hear, and you blessed blessed if you obey. So Revelation spoke to the Apostle John's day, and John wrote it from the Isle of Patmos. He was exiled out off on the island, and uh, it also speaks to church history, as Pastor Landon will talk to us about the seven churches that uh, the message are Revelation 2 and 3 are for. Well, um, he will talk about that next week, but this also has meaning for our personal lives because we can't deny the fact that Revelation speaks with clarity about the end times. It wraps up the redemption story that begins in Genesis, the story of Jesus, by Jesus, about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, if you were to describe what this book is all about, redemption. It's the story of redemption. So a few years ago, this um, Pastor Landon uh, we were talking about how to set this up today just kind of prepare you for next week as well Um, I was teaching a Bible study at a church Uh, we're going through the book of Colossians and um, give you a little bit detail there very uh, good church small church um, nice people there good people there Um, uh, they had a, a prayer meeting every other Wednesday that just a couple people would come to, and this went on for a couple years. As uh, I would go to the prayer meeting, my wife would lead worship, and just a few people would show up on a Wednesday night. And we started this Bible study thinking, well, maybe people want the Word, because we need the Word, don't we? So we started a Bible study on Wednesday nights, and it was astounding how many people actually came to the Bible study, but it got to the point where there were people from seven or eight different churches that would come to this Bible study. And I was blessed to see the interest. But at one point, at two different weeks there, there was either nobody or there was one or two people from that church, the church that hosted the Bible study. It's like if this church had a study and people from different churches attended this Wednesday night Bible study and only maybe one of you or two of you came now, I understand people's schedules get busy, but what's our excuse? Is Sunday morning enough for you? Well, maybe it, it is for some of us. I don't think it is, but we should be in the Word every day. But when you are able to do these things, uh, please do them. A fellowship, study the Word, get with people, because we're all we're family. This is, it's encouraging. So within a short time after that, simple observation, right, well, how does it look to the church, that particular church, when more people from other churches are coming to the Bible study than from the own church, the same church that hosted it? I woke up at three in the morning. I, I may want to say God woke me up, but I'll just say that I was wide awake at three in the morning, and I couldn't get back to sleep, so I got up and got in my chair, opened up the word of God. I said, Lord, if you've got something for me, speak. Please speak. Your servant is listening. <clears throat> And I, I just kind of knew I, I was supposed to open to Revelation. Now, we were studying Colossians, right? But, but so, oh, Revelation. So I re- started reading through it. And when I got to chapter 2 and 3, I knew exactly what my next message would be. And I had to deliver a message that was really heavy um, to the church. This was a couple years ago. Because out of the seven churches, In Revelation 2 and 3 Jesus rebukes five of them harshly and the question I was asking myself is what would Jesus say to the churches here in America I can just see by the looks on your faces you know how heavy that thought is so what happened to the church We'll get to that. I've got a great quote I want to share with you. But that's what made me dig into Revelation a little bit more and say, okay, we've got to take this seriously and be ready because it it could happen at any time. So (laughs) I came up with some questions. And Joe, thank you for reading uh, John 15 because that's one of the questions I have today to challenge you individually. Whatever, I've got six questions, whatever one of these, maybe all of them apply to you, but six questions we need to ask ourselves because we need to examine our faith regularly, examine our hearts. We live in a very challenging culture and a very dysfunctional, chaotic society. I call it the United States of Entertainment. That's where we live. That's what our lives are about. When we're not in church, when we're not sleeping and eating, <laughs> and not working, you know, whatever jobs you're working, it's about entertainment, it's about luxury, it's about leisure, it's about living your best life now. Right? Oh, some of you have got that. What do we need heaven for if we can have our best life now? What message does that send? Um, so here are the questions. Number one, is your life bearing fruit? that will last? Is your life bearing fruit for the Lord Jesus? John chapter 15. Number two, are you passionate about the things of God? What do you mean passionate? Well, Romans 12, 11 says, be fervent in spirit. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your affections and your heart and mind on things above. Are you passionate? We'll talk about what that means. Pastor Landon will actually get into more of what it means to be lukewarm, to be hot or cold, but of course, hot, passionate is hot. Are you fervent? Are you really passionate about God? Or are we just going through the motions here? Serious questions we have to ask ourselves at certain times in our Christian walks. Number three, who or what is your first love? What is your main focus in life? Now, there are things we need to do, right? We need to take care of our families. We need to provide. If you're the man of the house, you're working, you're providing... Aside from the things we need to do, what is your focus on? Number four, have you conformed to the world or are you being transformed by Jesus Christ? Romans 12, 2. Number five, do you love this world more than you love God's word? You've got the world or you've got the word? Word. And Jesus said, if you love this world, the love of the Father cannot be in you. It's a heart check, right? <laughs> uh, number six, are you prepared for pe- persecution when it comes? We don't know what form here in America. Thank God for our freedoms. Thank God for our Constitution and how this nation was formed and forged and thank you so much lord for the blessings we have and the freedom we have so we don't know when but we know why because people hate god and hate the truth and people have rejected him and have rejected the truth so stay with me here if this seems to be a little heavier message today the colossian church that i mentioned was one that paul actually commended for their faith and their love but in revelation we see seven other neighboring churches in Asia Minor that are mentioned. And today, uh, many of those cities that had Christian churches in the first century, they're gone. I'm not even talking about the the churches necessarily. I'm talking about the cities are gone. There's mounds there. (laughs) They've been wiped out or they've been gone for centuries. It's interesting. So one of those scriptures that i believe the lord led me to a couple years ago when i was digging into this and saying lord what what do your people need to hear um will america see a similar fate as any of those christian churches and cities that had christian churches in uh, the early days well revelation 3 verse 2 and 3 and i'm stealing from pastor landon from a few weeks from now but it says wake up Strengthen the things that remain which are about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Now this is to believers. This is to Christians. The only way America is going to change outside a miraculous move and power and miracle of God is for the church, for Christians to change, for Christians to be affected by God so they can impact and influence culture for Christ and, of course, share the gospel. How else can America change? You tell me. So the last verse there, Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I come to you. Jesus rebuked many of those early churches for things like straying from the truth, leaving their first love, putting up with false doctrine, or for being lukewarm. Why should we, believers in America, think that he wouldn't harshly warn or rebuke us? You see the state of the American church today. Now, there are, let me say this. There are some good churches, a lot of good churches, doing a lot of good work for the kingdom. They're doing a lot of good ministry here in the States and abroad. But with something like 300,000 Christian churches in the country, it's a head-scratcher, isn't it? You'd think we would be seeing more of that godly influence. So... Some people now, they, ch- they choose to look through rose-colored glasses and think that the church in America is thriving. But we know from all the survey- surveys, the polls, whether the be Pew or Gallup or Barna, Christianity is declining. Church attendance is shrinking. Why? Well, moral relativism growing in our culture and people accepting that and c- the confusion and all that, that's one thing. But if... For those who think the church is thriving, I would just ask a very simple question then. Why doesn't it translate out into society then? Look at our culture. If the church is really thriving in America, does it look like that when you look at, uh, oh my goodness, where do we start? Where's the godly influence? Um, Is it In the government run schools that have kicked out God and prayer and the Bible in the name of Jesus and ABC curriculum, anything but Christ? Is it Hollywood, the leftist media, uh, Planned Parenthood, corporations, social media giants, the anti Christian university system, Washington, D.C.? Are you getting my point? If the church is thriving, why does it not? Look like that in our culture in our society So we know that the church in America is not thriving. It is is not what it is supposed to be We are not who we are supposed to be as a church overall as the bride of Christ What happened what changed? Hmm. We just read earlier that God never changes What changed? He who knows the end from the beginning? He who changes times and seasons, but himself is stable and eternal and never changing. It's the church. So John R.W. Sott, great quote. He said this, we should not ask what's wrong with this world for that diagnosis has already been given. We should ask what has happened to the salt and light. Okay, then it's on us. Um. Biblical literacy, church attendance, Christianity, um, they're hurting right now. Um, why is the gospel not being proclaimed? Another, another question we can ask. Why are true disciples not being made overall in some of these mega churches who appear on the outside to be so popular and great and growing, but is, is it just growing inside the church, inside those walls? Or are they impacting the culture around them, the communities, whatever city they're in, whatever state they're in? Um, Christians are being mocked and sued. Sin is being accommodated. I think I've made the case now. We can go on. So who's driving culture? We already know that. It certainly isn't the church. It certainly isn't Christians. I'm not talking about a theocracy. I'm not talking about forcing people to believe because they live in America. No, we have freedoms here. They can believe what they want. But I am talking about impact, about influence, about the, the advancement of the gospel. So by attempting to not offend people, too many pulpits have watered down the word of God. As a result, our lack of knowledge limits our witness. I believe, personally, I've, I've traveled quite a bit and have been in hundreds of churches, I believe that Christians today in this country, we are not being equipped in the word of God. And that's one of the main focuses, one of the main purposes of the church, to glorify God, of course, to make disciples, but to equip the saints, individual believers, equip the saints for the work of ministry that is so great. So going back to Re- Revelation now, Change must start with us. So we need to hear what the Lord is saying through this book and not be intimidated by it because it is part of the Bible. This is his word. He is the truth. Uh, The ancient Greek word revelation is apocalypsis, basically apocalypse. The simple word is a revealing or unveiling. So when you read revelation, something is being revealed. Something is being unveiled. It is from Jesus about Jesus to us, to the church. So it's written around 90 AD. The book of Revelation it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's the one speaking, He's the object revealed. Um, so let's go to chapter 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John who testified to the word who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ even to all that he saw here's the blessing blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near John to the seven churches that are in Asia grace to you and peace from him who is and who was, and who is to come. Stop right there. Grasp that, right? Jesus, past, present, future. All we know is this life in this present time, but he is eternal. So, grace to you and peace from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory And dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. Verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and the kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, the sound of a trumpet saying, write in a book what you see. And send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the middle of the lampstands I saw one like a son of man. Clothed in a robe reaching to the feet and girded across his chest with a golden sash, his head and his hair were like white, like wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, Two edged sword, and the face, his face, was like the sun shining in its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Therefore, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after these things. As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, are the seven churches. Revelation chapter 1. A couple things to point out real quick. Um, Verse 17, uh, the first and the last. Jesus applies this Old Testament name, the first and the last for Yahweh. He applies that to himself, clearly claiming to be God. Right? Verse 19, this provides a key This provides a simple outline for the entire book of Revelation. It says, the things which you have seen. That refers to the vision that John is getting right now, that John is about to get. The things which you have seen, what has has been revealed to him in a vision. Um, See, the things which are. The things which are presently. That denotes, in that time that John was living, there were letters to the churches that, That's the whole purpose of the book, to to get this message out to the churches. So that's the things which are. And the things which will take place after these things, that refers to the revelation of future history. So chapters 4 through 22. Okay? You want to be encouraged, by the way, when you get home later today or sometime during this week, open up to Revelation 19 and read 19 through 22. That's the end of the story. And it is good news. Um, So one other point, I had to write something down during worship. You sang that song, uh, Joel, of Keith Green, and Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. But there's a verse in there, Replace the lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. I thought that was neat in light of what we're going to read today and what we have read. And the lampstands, which are the seven churches, Interesting, the church is is like a lampstand, right? Um, So since all this is true, what we've read and and what is coming, and we are warned, and we have a lot of information. We don't have all the answers, but we have a lot of information on the end times and what we perceive is going to happen. That's the coming kingdom, right? So we should take this seriously. Um, For example... Revelation 3:1, don't turn there. I just want to mention a couple of verses. Um, what Jesus says to the churches in Sardis. He says, he who, has, "He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says, "I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead." So what does that mean? You have a name, a reputation. You have a name your church. You know, there's a lot of churches. You know, some churches have a reputation for something. Some do different works. Some are highlighted by different ministries. Some are all about preaching the gospel. Some are all about prophecy. Some are all about feeding the poor or whatever. Um, Hopefully we're doing a combination of these things, but there's a reputation. Every church has a reputation. Some uh, we'll get to in a minute that don't... (laughs) What this is saying there reputations are not always an accurate picture of exactly what that church is about or how healthy there's the word healthy that church is or quote successful in god's eyes what is success for a church is it the size of the building the programs is it the numbers how many seats are filled no look what jesus did with 12 men 11 and then they replaced Judas and they changed the world with the message and it was pretty basic at that time go and make disciples of all nations nations teaching them what i commanded you um, and then what we already kind of talked about waking up and repenting which we need to constantly be reminded, reminded about that revelation 3:5 says he who overcomes will thus be clothed in white in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It says that quite frequently in Revelation. We all have ears. What does that mean, he who has an ear? Be listening with a heart to understand and then apply, right? Um, what is Jesus saying to you right now? What is he saying to our church here, Freedom Fellowship? What is he saying to the overall body of Christ through this book, through the Word? The Word is alive. Notice when Jesus returns, the vision was a sharp double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. What is also known as a sharp two-edged sword, the Word of God, which is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. But Jesus, when he returns, He'll be conquering with the word, the very word he speaks. So Colossae, the Colossians church, um, it was a Christian church about 12 miles from Laodicea. And both were about 90 miles from from Ephesus, a booming city at the time, by the way. And and Laodicea, my goodness, they were right next to a big trade route. So they were prosperous. Um, They had it made they have so much they had <laughs> operative word had past tense and i think um the parallel i think is warranted of the laodicean church with america the church in america the lukewarm church and i don't want to steal too much of pastor landon's thunder but i do want to share with you revelation 3:15 through 19 which it says i know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were one or the other. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. There's a visual for you. Because you say, now he's talking to this church in this prosperous city of Laodicea. He's speaking this word to this individual church at that time. You say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And then verse 19 says, To those, who, to those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Does he love you? He loves us. So welcome him if he reproves you or disciplines you. Welcome that. I know we don't like it. We don't like the pruning and we don't like any of that. But it says, Those who I love, those whom I love, I reprove and I discipline. So the church of Laodicea was warned about being comfortable, about being lukewarm. Churches in America, please take heed. In the same way, oh, by the way, that that idea of lukewarm, spitting it out. A little history here of uh, Laodicea. It had an underground aqueduct or water running underground that uh, I think it was the Colossians, Coloss or one area, Hierapolis, or somewhere there were hot springs And then in another city, on the other side of Laodicea, it was like cold and refreshing water. In Laodicea, that underground water, it was like lukewarm. It was like tepid. So when visitors, not familiar with that, visitors would come, they would take a sip of that water. It was tepid and lukewarm. They would spit it out because they were thinking, man, that's not refreshing. So that's where this comes from, this idea. The people there in those surrounding vicinities knew what this meant. I will spit you out of my mouth. In other words, lukewarm, tepid water when you want to be refreshed, right? So anyway, that was free. Um, But with so many churches today (laughs) ignoring the hard truths, Bible prophecy, so few churches teach on prophecy. I don't get it. It's one between a, a third and a fourth of the Bible. And that's our hope, the return, the coming kingdom. Uh, they, they don't uh, a lot of them avoid sin and talking about repentance they avoid the old testament the preaching is unbalanced it is all you are wonderful you are good you just you get, just ask for the favor of god believe and you'll receive it and just be all about you it's this isn't all about us you guys if you haven't noticed was it about the disciples and the apostles in the early church they're gone but they made an impact, didn't they? But it's not about them. They're not around anymore. Is it about us? No. And I'm, sa- I'm preaching this to myself, too, you guys. I'm really, I've been a little disappointed in my own, um, I don't want to say apathy, but my own lack of passion for the things of God. I've been disappointed in my own life, but I'm not going to let it stay that way. I just want to really dig in more this year and hopefully establish some new habits that will be lasting Um, so forgive me if I'm projecting any of my frustration with myself, my own spiritual walk onto you this morning, but receive what God is speaking to you about any of this. So a lot of people have fallen for this garbage, and it's not garbage. I understand some pastors and teachers in America, they don't want to get into the hard things of God. I understand it's easier to just look people in the eye and say, God loves you, wants the best for you. And you are to be favored and you are, you are good and just love yourself and follow your dreams and just follow your heart. And that is nowhere in scripture, anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. But it's all about grace, grace, grace. And I didn't want to get off on this tangent, but it's just, since I've visited so many churches and I've heard so many forgettable messages, just know the body of Christ is hungry, or should be hungry, because they're not being fed and equipped today. So do with that what you will in your own spiritual walk Monday through Saturday. Um, so the Colossians were commended for their faith and for their love. And in the same vicinity, which is modern-day Turkey, two of those seven churches were, received good words, which Pastor Landon will get into, and uh, the others well philadelphia and smyrna the others uh, not so good Um, for example and then we'll move on but ephesus revelation 2 4 says uh, jesus said i have this against you that you have left your first love and it's easy for us to do that isn't it in this world with all the distractions with all the responsibilities with all the other things it's easy to leave our first love He loved us first and gave himself for us. And he saved us. It's our blessed hope. But we get busy with this life and we walk away. And verse 5 says, Therefore, since you left your first love, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I am coming to you to remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. There's that word again, lampstand. That's why I wanted to share this from Revelation 2 because you read the end of Revelation 1. It talks about that. What are the lamps? The seven lampstands are the seven churches. Well, the lampstand, that's an important thing. If it, Back at that time, they didn't have electricity, right? So you're talking about putting a candle on a stand. The candle was a lamp that lit up the whole room. And so... Apparently, at that church, Ephesus, Jesus removed the lampstand. What is the lampstand? What is the importance? That's influence. The church's influence. Jesus said, You're not doing it right. You're not. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm Italian. My arms won't stop. <laughs> lampstand. So, Jesus is going to remove our. Influence. So, what are we supposed to be? What did Jesus said? You are the light of the world. And I pray to God that he does not remove our light, our lampstand, our influence. But if you look at America, you have to wonder, Lord, is this something that we have done because of our own indifference and apathy? Or is this something that you have done? In other words, have you allowed it, Lord? Because he's sovereign, right? Have you allowed it? Or have you removed, is this part of our judgment? Have you removed our influence, our Christian influence, our Our lamp? stand Matthew 5:14 through 16 you you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house verse 16 let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Is your light shining and glorifying God in your daily life, in your home, with your family, in your job, your workplace, wherever you might spend most of your time during the week? Is your light shining? And if not, why not? That's between you and Jesus. Why not? He said, anyone who is ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of him on that day. Are we ashamed of him? Why? Because we might be called intolerant, (gasps) hateful, bigoted. You're so, what's what's the word? Um, Well, I was thinking of Jesus when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's very exclusive, right? Right. Oh, we're not inclusive. There it is. We're not inclusive because we're not including the whole world. In other words, the, the whole world will not be in heaven. Not my words, these words, the word of God, which is truth. The whole world will not be there. Not every human being is a child of God. Don't misunderstand. Every person is created in the image of God. Every human being created in his image, does not mean his child or family of believers. Part of the inheritance. Understand that. So yes, it is, it is not an inclusive message. It's a universal message to whosoever will. Whoever will come to me, Jesus said. Whoever will, whosoever will believe and receive. But we know a lot of people won't. That's on them. Why would God send so many people to hell? Well, let me, let me ask you, a God that sent his son, a God that cared enough about the humanity that he created to become flesh, to dwell on this filthy earth for 30 to 33 years, and then to give his life as a sacrifice, to be mocked, despised, tortured, executed on a bloody Roman cross, Does that sound like he's sending you to hell? No. He died for you. And I'm not saying, I'm assuming hopefully everybody in here are believers. But for those out in our culture, out in our world who would think that's just a talking point that can be refuted rather easily just by sharing a few verses. So God doesn't send anyone to hell. It is a real place. It is created for the devil and his angels the ones who rebelled against him. God doesn't want people to go there, but they will. So in all my travels, I've visited so many churches, and I think I need to move on from that point because I get really, really upset. I think it's because this precious word is being mishandled. And I like to consider myself a lover and proclaimer and defender of the truth, and I know a lot, of, a lot of churches aren't handling this accurately. This is called the word of truth, the word of God. And so in all my travels, I, it was eye-opening because I, before I went to visited so many churches and traveled around the country, I thought, man, we're a Christian nation, right? <laughs> Boy, I learned. So what is our focus? Is it on the authority of Christ and his word and his mission to the church, or is it on our lives? Um, Okay. So we know around it all we can do is what is within our control, right? Only control the things you can control, and that is our walks with God, our church, our families, you can't control other people. We can try to influence them and share the gospel and love them and tell them the truth, love them enough to tell them the truth, but we can't force them, we can't do any of that. So we understand the foundation of the teaching of Scripture is the main purpose of the church. If they're not willing to hear it, we've got to, at some point, pray for discernment and move on. Uh, wipe the dust off of your sandals or your snow boots and move on, if, if need be. Um, we've gotten away from what the disciples of Christ in the early church, focused on and started the church. They built this church on four principles, really. Teaching the word of God with a focus on Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection, prayer, communion, and fellowship with other believers, fellowship with family, with Christians. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 42. That's the foundation. Jesus said, make disciples, go into all the world, teach them, Share with them what I taught you. And these are the four things, the word of God, prayer, communion, fellowship. So they made disciples, shared the good news. They didn't care about the approval of people. Like we care so much about that today. Their faith in in Christ cost most of them their lives. And um, there's a quote by commentator Matthew Henry I want to share with you here. He said, on the wings of... Of affection the heart soars upwards heaven and earth are contrary to one another and the prevalence of our affection for one will proportionately weaken our affection for the other the prevalence of our affection for one heaven or earth will proportionately weaken our affection for the other so do you love Jesus and are you seeking him with all your heart? Are you pursuing that relationship and letting the strength of that daily relationship affect other people in your life? It's easy to fall away, but let's encourage one another to, to dig in, to press on, regardless of trials, regardless of what's going on around us. Maybe you know someone who has departed the faith. Some I've heard the big headlines last year, two or three big name Christian people, leaders. One was a worship leader, I guess. Um, don't know if he was converted or not. And I know that might sound funny, but worship has become a business in America. It is entertainment. Uh, it is a rec- There's a the worship teams have record deals out of Nashville, and that's a business. Um, not saying all worship is like that, but there are some people that are just going in it because they have a talent, a musical talent. Some of them aren't converted, truly. They're talented. They can write great songs. They can play a great instrument or whatever it might be. So uh, my encouragement to you, uh, be discerning on what music you listen to. But th- we've all heard of people that have fallen away. Maybe you know someone in your family in your life who's fallen away from the Lord. Pray for them. You and I are not immune. Um, here's an example from Colossians. Let me going back to that. Uh, Paul refers to a man who was once a fellow worker in ministry, but left his first love. His name was Demas. I don't know if you guys remember him. Apparently, he was was once committed to the Lord's work, from what we know of him, but nothing positive is said about him in chapter 4 of Colossians there. It, It says he greets the Colossian Christians and therefore must have been known to the believers for his name to be mentioned, right? And then over in the book of Philemon, he is among Paul's fellow laborers. He worked with, he ministered with the apostle Paul. Yet, in the last mention of Demas, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, Paul said, Demas abandoned him and the ministry, having loved this present world. He ministered and worked with the Apostle Paul traveled with him saw people converted probably saw people healed saw the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit and abandoned him and the ministry having loved this present world you and I are not immune how do we guard against that time in the word for one get in a Bible plan Bible reading plan if you're not in one if you don't have one Start with the Word of God and then start with prayer and relationships with other Christians that you can sharpen one another and encourage one another because we need it. We need it. So there are three New Testament references to Demas and they all tell a sad but a sobering story. One more quote. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said this when, uh, about this verse, having loved this present world, the word world refers to a society without God. We do know that Christians today can succumb to the world, just as Demas did. How easy it is to maintain a religious veneer. Well, all the time we are living for the things of this world. This is one of the points that Pastor Landon will drive home in the coming weeks when we talk about the churches, the seven churches of Revelation chapter 2 and 3 do we love this world more than we love God and his word we are more likely to defend and pursue what we love so Jesus told the disciples in many places several places in Revelation watch wake up be on the alert uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him. Yes, he's going to try to mess you up. Yes, he's going to try to uh, screw with your thought life. Yes, he's going to try to you know, bring people into your life that are going to, you know, irritate you. And that's maybe I'll put that mildly. Yes, he will try to do that. He will try to use the trials of this life to discourage you. But resist him, Peter says. Firm in your faith. One more. The half-brother of Jesus, who has a phenomenal testimony, skeptic, days before the Passover, days before the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, Jude ended up to be one of the pillars in the early church, uh, him and James, the other brother, half-brother of Jesus. But Jude, in Jude 1, verse 3, says, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. It is believed by the time when Jude wrote that at that time that all the other apostles had been martyred Did he know? Did Jude know? We're not sure. He probably did. Um, John was the only one that he knew of, and John was exiled to the island of Patmos. That's where we get revelation. That was from the apostle John, who was exiled. But all the others had been martyred. And what did Jude say? Contend for the faith. What did Jesus say? Matthew 10:22 You will be hated because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. The good news is uh, he's coming back to establish his kingdom. Are we ready? If not, how can we get ready? This earth is not our home, our citizenship is in heaven, but we have work to do while we're here. Otherwise, we would be taken home already. We would, we, we would have been gone. If you are here, if your heart's beating, if you're alive, breath in your lungs, and a, you have a voice, we are here to speak the truth. We are here because we are to be light. Hopefully our lamp stand has not been removed and we can still influence those in our sphere Of the people around us the people in our daily lives a couple more scriptures and we're done sorry I want to share one more 2nd Timothy 3 1 through 4 another warning don't be surprised by what's around us but focus on that hope that we have there's an anchor of our soul 2nd Timothy 3 but realize this in the last days difficult times will come men will be lovers lovers of self lovers of money I'm not going to read the whole thing, but men will be boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, without self-control, haters of good. And verse 4, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And that's one that the church has to warn against, guard against. Do you love pleasure, leisure, Comfort and this life more than God lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What did the church of Laodicea do? They loved the world and all that it offered all the lures all the bells and the whistles and they were very rich at least in their own minds, but they were prosperous So today What is the Spirit of God saying to you? Do we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? individually I know we covered a lot today to set up um, the series that Landon will begin next Sunday. But what is the Spirit saying to you right now about something in your life, something in your heart, whatever part of your faith? Um, Deal with that. Please deal with that. To to close, I'm just going to go to the end of the book. Revelation 22, here's what Jesus said to John to close the book and close this whole Bible, close the Word of God. Just a couple verses here and we're done. Revelation 22, 6, and 7. And he said to me, who's he? Jesus said to John, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must, must soon take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. Over in verse 12 and 13. Behold, Jesus said, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And that verse from Isaiah that we started off with today, I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is no one like me declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established. And with that, we close the book. Confident that his will Will be done. Don't you want to be a part of it? I want to be a part of what he's doing. I want to be a part of his will. We are if we're in his family, but we can be an active part because his will is going to be established. His purpose will be established. He knows the end from the beginning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your living word. Thank you for the truth. We covered a lot today, Lord. I pray that you'd give each person here something that you want them to retain. Give each one of us something that you want us to get, something that you want us to take and apply. Um, How can we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus? How can we be more effective in our families, in our, where we work, in our communities? Lord, show us how we can do that. It's one step at a time. Let no one be overwhelmed by anything that was shared today, Lord, but encourage their hearts and help them to focus on the truth and the hope and what we have to look forward to, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of Jesus, our great God and Savior. It is in his name we pray. Amen.